could deliver it. Carrick looking at the far post and turned in. It's Johnny Evans. It's happened at last. His first goal for Manchester United in his 119th appearance. Evans around the penalty spot. In it comes. Giggs nods it on. Could drop anywhere. Chicharito is there. Chicharito. Evans. He scores every week, this lad. It's Johnny Evans again. He scored home and away against Newcastle. And it's 1-1. Welcome to another episode of the United Podcast. I'm Sam Homewood. David May. Helen Evans. And Johnny Evans. Hey, I don't think anybody's ever introduced themselves before, have they? No, I don't oh, think Because they've so. never been with us at the beginning. Yeah. This yeah. is new. Welcome to our intro. Welcome, Johnny. We've never had someone else in our intro. Hey, there's a no. job here when you finish. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Uh, so, Johnny is with us. Uh, we are at Carrington right now. You can probably hear, or if you're watching MUTV, you can see a lot of action behind us. Drew Davis has just run across the back because he wanted to be in shot, obviously. Um, this is a player appearance day, so the players will um, fulfil some of their media obligations and speak to various different outlets, including us. Johnny, thank you for... Are you familiar with the podcast? Have you heard of it before? No, you, do you know any of the guys on here? <laughs> do you not speak at home? No. Just a bit football. And the kids... Now the podcast has been uh, the podcast has been amazing, and everywhere we go, Helen always gets to applaud us. Hey, that's nice. That's uh, cool. And obviously, that is true. Actually, Love this is podcast, actually Helen. not your first podcast with us. Yep. We did this before, what, six, seven, eight, nine months ago. We came to your house, Maisie and I, yeah. and you bought me a lovely salad, I've got to say. It was delicious. Um, and it was we... actually the first week of July, wasn't it? Is that when it was? When did you come back in it? training? Yeah. I don't even know if I'd agree to come back in but then. Um, yeah, no, you yeah. had, because you said to Maisie, oh, I'm going in to train with the 21s tomorrow. Oh, yeah. yes, I did. I. Yeah. yeah. So it was just before that. Yeah. yeah. It was literally the day before. So then we didn't release that podcast because so much changed so quickly because suddenly you were back at Carrington and then a few weeks later, I saw you on a plane in America when we were on tour. That's right, And yeah. things just escalated from there. So I suppose the sensible place to start is, how did this all come about? You finished your season with Leicester they were obviously relegated how did you get from there to here I think I've, I've said before about kind of just asked Darren Fletcher to I think I even mentioned the you Helen didn't I like I can't train on my own like, I don't want to say that I had something to do with it no I just <laughs> to train with Helen I just Helen. <laughs> didn't want to train on my Helen but I, I always find it hard to train on my own anyway so I thought oh, I wonder could uh, I said to you I think I wonder would, if it rang Fletch could have gone and trained with the reserves and he was uh, he said I'll have to go back and check for insurance reasons and all that so I think he said he rang me back like three days later and he said come in the following week and in, in between that um, he kind of said all oh, the managers found out and he wanted to train with the first team so so what was it like when you first turned up and as someone who's been here before grew up here and you put the kit back on did that feel a bit special? Yeah, that was a bit surreal. You know, coming in, I think, um, driving up the, the farmer's lane, which is the back route in the Carrington, and all those little things, and then bumping into people you hadn't seen in a long time, putting the kit on, and, yeah, going out my first session, I was probably, I was a little bit nervous as well, but also at the same time, so excited. So it was quite, there were so many different emotions probably going around at that time that just kind of having the process at all, but overriding one was like, just buzzing. To be given the opportunity also to come back in and, and also to see everyone again. How did you think of that? I don't know. People keep asking, but it just kind of happened oh. gradually, didn't it? No. No, it did. <laughs> so you went in the train with the 21s and then a few days later you're training with the first team and next thing I know he's going to America. I did take a few pictures of him 
packing his bag for America. I was like, I'm so excited to take a picture of you. I'm not going to get it out, but <laughs> do you remember? Yeah. And on his first day in his tracksuit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It didn't really feel weird to me because I've obviously worked here for a long time, and I don't know. It felt strange, but in the other way. Oh, not and at then all. you coming back. What did you actually think? Where did you actually think you'd end up? Was you just know. training and that that was it? And I think um, you know John Murder then came and spoke to my agent, and it was all kind of done. You know, Fletch had the odd conversation with me, but nothing really in depth. Where I was, it, it kind of just. I think I've been, by that stage I've been in you know three or four weeks, and it was like right, just a norm then, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. became kind of like you a norm. Just spending really long days here, <laughs> loving his life, <laughs> catching up with everybody that he could. We've been doing the pods since I think 2019, I think, and. So many interactions we've had, especially with players that have retired, either straight away before we sit down and record the podcast, or as soon as we finish, they turn to Helen and say, can't believe Johnny left. Are we going to bring him back? And that's been happening for so many years. Must feel like a fairy tale. It does a little bit, doesn't it, I suppose? And, you know, I was away for eight years, which is quite a long time in football, and coming back at it, I mean... There have been periods in the past where clubs have signed more senior players. Yeah. To, you've been around. I remember mm. obviously being a United fan growing up. We always signed kind of maybe yeah. you know one or two older, experienced players at the time to come in and, and do a job. And I kind of feel like you know maybe one of those players. And I've tried to treat it like that. And I feel like I've got a lot of experience. Um, do you see yourself now as that experienced player? And I saw you. It was a Liverpool game. Talking to. Coming in, in, in midfield, giving him backing out orders and stuff like that. Do you see that now as your job to do? Or I don't see it as a, an obligation. I think it's just a natural just thing. Just natural. I think it happens, and I think I can sort of. You know you can tell if the other players respect you, and I think after one or two months, you know, after playing a few yeah. games, you still have to earn the respect. Of course, yeah. And you know, I think you know after maybe one or two games of played and and the more trained, they probably. You know, then the players, younger players, maybe start to look up to you. And I have to say, all the academy lads are always asking for advice and, uh, you know, what it was like whenever I was younger. And mm-hmm. you know, it was great sort of reliving that time. I've loved that side of it. Your squad number is your original academy squad number. Did you get to pick that? I was given 27 in pre-season, but uh, I didn't have to run any affiliation with 27. And the numbers I had before were gone. So I thought, we'll go back to, if I can go back to 35. And Tom Huddleston actually been wearing it for when he played playing in the reserve game so I asked him could I have it and he was he was happy to get was it not it your training number it was my training number yeah, training number it was different back in the day Maisie but we had yeah did you you would have had a match shirt number had a different what was your training number do you remember uh, it might have been the same no, do you know what my training number was 4 when I first joined but my shirt number was 12 I remember that I as a kid four all the way through. I'd read the United magazine and it would show all the pictures from training. And I think Ronaldo's training number was like nine or ten. And it was always so strange. And players would, uh, Veron's was number seven when he joined. And everybody then said, oh, they've taken the seven off of David Beckham. But it's because the numbers were different. And I right, never yeah. understood why. Yeah, why did they do that? I don't know. It was men kind yeah, of it it went back to the old sort yeah. of academy system. I, I'm not too sure, but... It's, it's different now it's so many people thought you were 35 because of your age you're 36 <laughs> now yeah it was yesterday wasn't it well I got my birthday cake yesterday and they gave me my the birthday nice. cake was in the, my match shirt with my number on the back hey. but everyone then thought I was only 35 which is kind of good oh right is that what you were trying to say yesterday yeah. I didn't get that his uh, birthday cake that he left here didn't bring it home no. Also, you got a call on the caterpillar instead <laughs> <laughs> never too old for a call since we last saw you 
beyond birthdays, another celebration, you are now Johnny Evans' MBE. True, yeah. What was that experience like? How did you find out? Which, I don't know. How did you know? Oh, you uh, she Someone contacted me. <laughs> was it addressed to you? Is that what me. happened? They reached out to you, Helen, and said... We're uh, someone get- from Player Liaison at Leicester had reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And said... Because they, they were wondering if it was a scam. So they were like, do you think this is legit? I was like, yeah, because he's played 100 games, so it probably is. 100% And scam. then they sent him a letter. But obviously yeah. I knew when the letter came because it said... How good was that, though, going down there? Good. That was, that was a great day, wasn't it? And um, that was another sort of surreal moment, being in Buckingham Palace and seeing Prince William and that and getting the, getting the award. Do you have a chat with him? Yeah, a little chat. I'd seen him a couple of weeks ago at Sir Bobby's funeral. Ah, or a couple gosh, of weeks yeah. before. So, um, not that I got speaking to him, but he did say, uh, he did say, uh, good to see you again. So, <laughs> and I've met him a few times over the years at back, even at um, the training ground here back in the day. He came in one time, so okay, I think he is MBE. It was a good wee day. Before we move on to the original podcast, I do want to talk a little bit about football because you've actually played a lot more than some people might have expected, and also if it hadn't been for Garnacho, probably would have got the assist for the goal of the season with that wonderful left foot ball across to Bruno against Burnley how's playing been how was that moment for you I think each game's been I've felt different emotions going into it my Burnley game I was like I'll go in and help help the t- you know kind of do what I can you know get through the game you know try and and then each day I feel like my confidence has grown a little bit I'm sort of um, my authority probably within the team is gradually sort of Growing a bit, so yeah, I, I kind of feel like, like I say, it's kind of it's it's changed, but I've enjoyed each challenge of that that's that's come along with it. Was it was it a shank or was it? A, did you mean a it? Shank? Um, no, do you know what? We try them passes all the time. It's just that I know so you do, yeah. That one came off. <laughs> shank from him? Yeah, it was left foot. I don't know. For those listening, Can Helen's you know, face yeah. is one of <laughs> <Yeah>. disdain. <laughs> you're talking about Shank from Bruno, not that it was a Shank ever. <laughs> you should see how much I've improved in the last six months. Top yeah. bins. Yeah? Oh, Top yeah. me and Eli four times in a row. I mean, there are a lot of goals no, here and a no. lot of balls. No, she, That's got a got pretty, pretty big top bins. She's bin, got a great hard volley on her. Yeah? Nice. Can you teach me? No, Some things are just unteachable. Double yeah. drag back. You're good at the double drag back, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we do very often have uh, family football mm-hmm. matches yeah. where we all get involved. Rightly so. Times. I mean, That's why he's performing so well. That's it, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, I don't even know what you're asking there. I'm now just wondering if you ever lost in the family football. Mm, what are the boys, teams? Generally, boys we against always, girls. Uh, Is it? In fact, do you know what's funny? Johnny's mum will be mortified. But there was a time about a month ago where Eli likes to take control. He's four. So he organised the teams. Anyway, he had Johnny's mum on the floor. He was building a wall. And she was the bottom. <laughs> she was the draft uh, excluder. The draft excluder, yeah. <laughs> so she's like, there like this. Oh, brilliant. Oh, he loves that. But, um, sorry, I totally... F- Who was yeah. on free kick? Who was taking the free kick? Probably him. Oh, he does free kicks. He does throw-ins. He does Everything. VAR. He does it all. <laughs> he does a VAR. Yeah. Obviously, in, your confidence is building. Aston Villa must have been special. Well, the second half. Yeah, I think coming back and it being Boxing Day and sort of the, the whole atmosphere around it, it felt like Old Trafford was yeah, it was one of the best atmospheres in a long time. Yeah. Kind of experienced that, and um, I think the time of the year all added to it and. The, 
the way the sort of team had been sort of going through it through lately. It just felt like a sort of big relief inside Old Trafford. And I think the way we performed in the second half with the energy that it's normally what, what you associate with with Man United teams and, and that ability to be able to to come back was was there. So yeah, it was a nice night. It was, it was class. Night. It was good. Were you there, Sam? I was. I was Were you there, there Macy? I was leather at home. Oh. <laughs> Watching it. Oh, the atmosphere was, oh, was unbelievable. Yeah, on it was that, wild. On that note, in terms of things that are wild, let's now play the full podcast that we recorded before you rejoined United. Johnny, thank you for your time now and last time. Thank you. Feels weird for me to begin this, Helen, because we're in your house. Johnny, welcome to you United are. Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, Eventually. Thank, yeah, thank you for having me. This is weird because... Perhaps of all the people we've had, the most requested by a huge distance, of course, is yourself. Helen has always given us good reasons why it couldn't happen. And now it's happening. Did I? Well, you, you kept making up vague excuses that made no sense. He's finally agreed. He's, only, he's only requested by me and you. And everybody else who's ever listened. <laughs> yeah. Like Helen wanted me <laughs> Obviously, you, you've done media things before, right? Mm-hmm. So do you imagine this will be fine? Yeah, we've probably not done anything as relaxed, have we? We've done things where we have to be serious, mm-hmm. and that is quite hard. Yeah, yeah. It's not, hey, it's we'll not just Johnny. It it's mm-hmm. Johnny, Grant, Evans, MBE. Yeah, that's a good point. MBE. I know, don't need getting big time now. But the MBE, I should say, is for services to Northern Irish football. Yes. In case anybody listening doesn't know what that's for. I watched, So 100 caps for Northern Ireland. Yeah. I watched an interview with you earlier in which... After your 100th cap, you talked about how Sir Alex predicted that that would happen after your first one. He did, actually. I always remember that call really clearly because I was, and where I was driving, I was, when he's been to Belfast, you know, the Odyssey Arena. Maisie, <laughs> yeah. you'll know it. There's yeah. a big arena. Going, I was going over the motorway and my phone, the phone went and I always remember him saying to me at the time, you'll go on to get 100 caps, son. He always called call you son, as you know, Maisie. And uh, I kind of stuck out that conversation because, first of all, the manager was calling me. I think it was probably one of the... First, first time I've ever spoken to him on the phone, probably the only time. And yeah, obviously we got a good result. That was my my first match was against Spain, so it was kind of a big. You remember all the big moments, mm-hmm. kind of pretty clearly. So at that point, had anybody done it yet? I think they yes. had. Yeah, Pat Jennings, of course. Was the yeah, one. but so it's quite. Well, he was only one. Quite a prediction then to think that you would go on and become at that point. The oh, only when other. Sir Alex made that That's phone call. I mean, yeah. Sorry, yeah, to Pat Jennings that, would have been the only. Pat one. Jennings would yeah. have been the one, and no one else at that time. You also hadn't played for United yet, had you? No. So I was um, I was out in Antwerp, and United obviously had a big connection with Antwerp, and used to send a lot of their players out there. I'm sure there's been other players you've, you've interviewed on the podcast over the years have been, and that was um, I don't know if it actually it came about because Terry Gibson, who was the assistant in Northern Ireland at the time, had kind of his son had been playing Championship manager. No one really kind of knew knew of me at the time because I hadn't played really league football apart from in Belgium, and. They needed a defender and someone sort of, his son, who had been playing championship manager at the time, kind of recommended that, oh, there's this lad, he's at Man United, but he's unknown in Antwerp. Shall we bring him into the squad? I just played a, um, I just played another 21 game on the Friday night. So I was in Belfast at the time. So they brought me in and that was kind of how I got into the squad in a, in a strange way. So Sanchez That's didn't mental, it. Yeah, it is amazing, that story, That's isn't it? Terry told us, didn't he? When I first met up, I got a call on a Saturday night and... Uh, can you come and meet up with the squad the next day? And when I first got to the hotel, it was to give me the room key. I went up to the room, opened the, the room key, and it was David Healy. I was sharing a room with David Healy. So he was obviously like absolute legend. Yeah. And Keith was in the room, Keith Gillespie and Roy Carroll. 
So they all had like a no big way. man, all big man United connection. They're all sitting around playing cards. That was my kind of introduction into the, into the senior squad at that time. They were great for me in a way because they helped yeah. me settle in really quickly and there was that Man United connection there. Brilliant. Well, normally, well, I suppose you know what happens normally. I suppose you must He's have heard... He's an avid listener. So you must have heard some of them just from... Hello. You have listened to quite a lot, haven't you? I have, yeah. We actually had a really funny moment not that long ago where you brought up the podcast with Sammy McElroy. Do you remember? And we started listening to oh, it and we were yeah, literally yeah. laughing our heads off when Sammy's talking about... Um, it was Ron Atkinson's he's chain. He's talking about Ron Atkinson's oh, yeah. chain. With a tooth. <laughs> and he had a tooth on the end of his chain. That was it, the toothpick one. Yeah, he had a toothpick on the end of his chain, but we were listening to that one over and over, laughing our heads off. But you have listened to quite a lot. I have, yeah. Only if I'm like, listen to that one, listen to that one, it's good. To be fair, I always like the older, the, the older players yeah. for some reason. I think there's always a better stories, but more open. Yeah. Helen told us she's got a lot of big questions. Go for it. She's been saving them. I don't remember any stories. He tells me them, but then. <laughs> I don't remember any stories. Do you know what Johnny does, though? He will tell me a story. Like, I don't know, six months ago, but it's something that happened 10 years ago. And I'm going, why have you never told me that before? But you are quite reserved, aren't you? No, but like, sometimes stories just, something will just trigger that memory one day and you'll be like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have told you plenty. Like. Yeah. Do you actually live together? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Johnny, it's your podcast. Take us back to growing up in Belfast as a kid. I suppose I was, I grew up in a, in a housing estate, quite a large housing estate, and... I was quite fortunate, actually, that the house that I lived in had a couple of football pitches. We were really close to the centre of the estate. and What state is it? It's called Rathcool. That's where I was I was born, and all my dad's side of the family all lived there. My mum's side of the family actually lived across the road in another estate. And yeah, I think it was about seven years old or so, I kind of moved out of that estate to another the place. The one across the road? No, another place. Well, I lived there for a year, actually, where we were moving, but... There was um, just a wee bit further away from everyone and I loved it. I had a great, great childhood in terms of being out playing football. There was always uh-huh. people on the street to play with or, like I said, it was really close to the playing field so we'd go around and play football all day, all night. And I was f- from quite a large family so I'd probably say I've got about, maybe about 30 cousins would I have. So like, there was always people around yeah, you yeah. and in Northern Ireland everyone knows each other anyway. So obviously, Corey, we know about as your brother. Have you got any other siblings? I've got a little sister. She's, how old is Kitty? 20, <laughs> she'd be 24. 24. Well, she's yeah, like she's 24. years younger than you. So she came up obviously a bit later and uh, there was a bit of a gap between, well, it was nine years between her and my brother. But when, when I moved to Manchester, we all moved, the whole family moved to Manchester. So mm-hmm. we've been able to have close relationships with Corey and her. And where did your love of football come from? Just obviously playing the streets? And- playing, yeah. My dad, my dad was always into football. Did he play? He went, he went to Chelsea as a youngster. Did he? He went over to, when he was 16, he signed for Chelsea as an apprentice. And he, he was there for about, I think he was there for two years. Spent about nine months at Arsenal after that. And then ended up going back home and playing a bit of, more or less, he played like a little bit of Irish League football and then dropped down in the Amateur League football. So for me, football was everything in that mm. sense that like, even though he was playing Amateur League, I'd go and watch him every, wherever he went, every Saturday. I'd play my games in the morning. Well, even from an early age, before I even started playing matches, he'd take me three and four year old and wherever he was playing his match, I'd go and watch. And so every Saturday I was involved in football. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it came from him really. But always Man United too, weren't you? Yeah, so my, even though, like I said, my dad had gone to Chelsea and had a bit of time at Arsenal, all my dad's side of the family were big football and family. So mm-hmm. they were all Man United daft and 
that's kind of where my grandmother um, on my dad's side was big Man United fan. So that kind of always bred free into me and the whole family really just, I grew up like a, a Man United fanatic. And I suppose Maisie, for, for me, my sort of earliest memories of supporting United were probably around that 99. Yeah. Maybe a little bit before that, like 96 watching, mm-hmm. but when I really got engrossed was that, that 99 travel yeah, season where everything kind of took off. How old would you been then? 10, 11, 11, 11. maybe 99, 11. So I was, I went down to my, my auntie's house to watch the match and obviously after the game, my dad was at the pub with all, all his mates watching the game. And I can remember like as soon as the final whistle went, like everyone's on the street kicking the ball, pretending they're this player, <laughs> that player. And then getting home that night, my dad actually came home and woke me up in the middle of the night. He obviously had a few drinks. Anyway. He came in and he's like, is that not the best night of your life? You know, I, I never forget him saying that. You know, that was like, and it was at that time. It was just, you know, being my, being my United fans and I'm witnessing that. Who were the players that you pretended to be in the street? I was always big Roy Keane, man. He was kind of my hero growing up and fortunately got to play under him as a player mm-hmm. when I went to Sunderland when I was about 19. But also, actually, whenever he left United. So I, my first ever call up into the first team squad was the day, kind of the day that Roy Keane left. And he was the player that I always wanted to, to train to with or to yeah. sort of try to emulate, emulate him in some way. And it was the game we played Middlesbrough and I got called into the squad to train with him that next day. We got taken up to the classroom in Carrington and basically had to sit and watch the game in the dark for a full match, 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. No one said a word. No one spoke. The manager didn't speak. Hang Make on. Food. You were there. I was there. But Say, didn't know that. <laughs> Hey, 22 years ago this 23 years ago but this is my first ever interaction with the first team squad I was like what am I doing here like sitting in the dark watching the match from the day before and no, honestly for an hour and a half no one spoke a word and that was kind of I then obviously went out and trained after that and, and that was my first interaction with the squad and Roy Keane was kind of on the, on the way out so was, was it at the conclusion of the game so you've watched it is that when everybody started arguing and then it all fell apart for Roy no, it was kind of, it was after that then. I think we went out and trained and there was a meeting held after. Okay. Obviously, I wasn't involved in that meeting because I was just a, a young lad. So I wasn't involved in that meeting, actually. But I was, I That's was, where I got confused. Oh, did you mean the meeting? Yes. Right? Oh, right. No, 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 wasn't that one. <laughs> just said we went in and watched the match. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought it all just must have happened No, afterwards. I think that was something that maybe happened. So it wasn't in that yeah. meeting. Yeah. It was in another meeting. <laughs> I was in the better one. <laughs> Sounds like quite an awkward start to life. <laughs> For me, it was just, uh, I was... I was loving it. <laughs> so when you were younger, were you playing centre mid? Playing centre mid, but I first came over on trial United when I was 10. It was in, I always met with my dad. My dad was born Halloween, Halloween night and I flew on Halloween night. And what would that be? I was 10, 98. Because Northern Ireland have fireworks at Halloween. So I remember taking off. Just in Northern Ireland? Just in Northern Ireland. Over here, they do, they do fireworks uh, on, do on Guy Fox night, night and Bonfire night. But in Northern Ireland, I remember take, flying off and just seeing, watching all the fireworks, and that's something that you know, always sticks in my mind too. My first trip away from home. Did you come over with anybody? Or just there was own? about eight of us used ah, to come right, over. Okay. How did that come about? That little connection. Yeah, with so there was a scout in Northern Ireland, and used to have a, a centre of excellence in Belfast, and all the best players probably at one time kind mm-hmm. of went through the centre of excellence for Man United, and it was a way of Man United, I suppose, getting contact with the players first and being able to take the players that they wanted to go across yeah. on trial. So I remember going across and we stayed in the Castlefield Hotel in Manchester. And that's where kind of, they used to have these meeting points where all the trialists mm-hmm. would, would meet up. 
Did you know any of the lads who you came over with or not really. Maybe one no. maybe from the Centre of Excellence, a that couple of them. I know one of the one of them was um he'd gone on to play a bit. Dean Shields, he's manager now in, in the Irish League and Did your mum and dad go? Mum and dad didn't go, no. But there's su- such trust put in the, the scout, Eddie Coulter, who was kinda running the show back in Belfast. Was that the first time on a plane as well, or had you been on a plane before? I've been on a plane before that, but yeah, first time was out with my mum and dad. Yeah. But there was eight of us. No, in. no, it wasn't. Oh, no, it wasn't actually. <laughs> we had this conversation. He went to Switzerland when he was yeah, yeah with his cousin for three weeks. Just me and my cousin. Like, literally just him. <laughs> <laughs> there was family Two members on the other end. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. For three weeks. Yeah, my mum's my mom's brother was, uh, I suppose you could say a bit of a free spirit, but he married a, a Swiss woman. And we had, so we had a Swiss cousin. And uh, my mum shipped us off to Switzerland for three weeks with them. But yeah, going back to like, Flying over to Manchester a lot. Mm. I used to I'd come over from between the ages of 10 and 12, would fly over possibly every two or three weeks. They'd try and bring us over in the end. And when I was about 12, 12 and a half, they kind of changed the rules. You had to be within an hour and a half of the club that you were going to. So it kind of ruled out a lot of players living in Northern Ireland to be able to actually go over and, and go on trial and sign for the club. That's when you decided to move as a family over. Well, it wasn't maybe till a couple of years later then. I was 14 at the time. My mum and dad had kind of, my dad lost his job. My mum and dad thought, Jonathan's got a chance of making it. Call himself Jonathan because that's speaking of them. If he's got a chance of making it, we'll all go as a family. I think United were willing to facilitate that, to try and help that, yeah, help yeah. that happen. Yeah. And they kind of made a decision then to move as a family. And that's when I left. I left probably around about, yeah, I think it was my 15th birthday, around about, just after my 15th birthday. What a great decision. But was that difficult? For you, it was like tough leaving school or anything. Yeah, I suppose it was when you when I look back, like leaving school. But I was I was so excited. It was something that you'd always mm. kind of mm. wanted to do. And because my dad had done it, I suppose as a young kid, I think he knew how difficult it was being away from home, missing your family, and the, the kind of they knew how important it would be for them to be there for me. And also at the time, my brother was going start was there was talks about him going on trial at United too. So it kind of all flowed nicely, I suppose that. That was the right thing to do at the time. So where did you move to when you actually landed well, in Manchester? Initially, in the meantime, for my mum and dad to get everything sorted in terms of selling, like getting rid of the house. Yeah, yeah. My brother had to finish school. My sister was only young at that stage. I actually moved over on my own for about six months and moved into digs on a temporary basis. So I moved in uh, into digs and sale with uh, Luke Steele and Sylvan Blake. They were my, mm-hmm. my digs partners which I had an unbelievable time with. It was a great, great experience too, yeah. but I always, almost always kind of knew that mum and dad were going to be coming. But you're only 15 at this time. Yeah. So you'd have gone to school then in Manchester. Yeah, so I had I joined a school halfway through, would you call it year 10 over here? Fourth year, year before we, your GCSEs. Yeah. Year, year before 10. your GCSEs, yeah. Yeah. That's when I joined, joined the school. And which school was that? Ashton and Mersey and Seal. Which so the club had already. The, boys go, the club have a big sort of link with them yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of all their mm-hmm. they do their college work there and everything. So there was already a couple of lads there that I was able to sort of that I knew kind of my age, and we all kind of went to school together. Was yeah. the schooling similar in terms of the the high school you came out of in Belfast? No, when you joined, because like I said, my school, my high school in Belfast was, is very high. It's the English school skills. wasn't academic, but mm. the the difference in a grammar school mm. and a secondary school is quite big and. The education system in Northern Ireland is actually really, really high. So leaving there was a big decision because my parents were very obviously worried about the education side of it. But Dave Bushell, who worked, worked yeah. looking after everyone, kind of reassured my family that they'd, they'd look after me. 
<laughs> when I moved, within a couple of months, uh, I, I got a, quite a bad injury. I, I, I got a stress fracture in my back, and Helen lost his story because. <laughs> <laughs> So after, I think I might have told them before, actually. After, but, no, you have to act it out, though. That's the whole point no, of it. So after about two months of training, I ended up... Do you remember the game whenever United were playing Real Madrid? David Beckham's last David one. Beckham one. Yeah. I'd gone from my, the house in Seal, gone up, and I was walking to... Got the, the tram at the, um, at Brooklyn Station. Went to the game, and I remember standing in the Stratford End. I, for some reason, my ticket was in the Stratford End, right where all everything was going on. And Beckham was... Obviously, scored scored the goal and like the great performance. But strip people in Stratford end, they stand the whole game, and I remember standing during that game with a really painful back, like kind of wondering what's going on. I couldn't sit down during the match. It turned out I ended up having a stress fracture in my back, probably because of the amount of training you did. The amount of training, I, I was just wasn't used to it, and ended up they put me in a <laughs> they put me in a plaster cast from my chest right down to my knee. Only one leg though. Only on one leg, but. I don't even think it's a procedure they would, or a treatment that they would give now. No, they would give you a brace or something now. They would give you a brace that you could take on and off, but this mm-hmm. was literally like, when you, you know when you break Plus your arm? Paris. Hmm? Plus Paris, from my chest down to my knee. That's insane. The day that I got the cast on, Man United were playing Charlton to win the league. Were, were you playing there, Maisie? Would no. you been, had you just gone? Yeah. I remember Roy Carroll being in there for some reason that day. Anyway, I think it was like a 2-0 win, win the league. And as I'm leaving hospital, the lady's gone to me. Do you want me to show you how to go to the toilet? Do you want me to show you how to do this? And I'm like, no, like I need to get to Old Trafford. <laughs> Mine and I are just about to win the league. I need to get to the stadium. And Dave Bushel had sorted out. You know, is it the Trafford suite? What's the one yeah, with like, yeah, the glass yeah. boxes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd sort, he'd sorted me out. Like standing was. Was you on crutches or something? Uh? No, I was just walking, but I, could, I couldn't really stretch. One leg was stuck. Bushel, Bushel had sorted had sorted me out that I could stand in the Trafford suite and watch the game. He knew I was mine daft. I wanted to watch them win the league. <laughs> Obviously, getting to Old Trafford in the car was a problem. I kind of had to put the, the front seat had to go down really, really flat. <laughs> and I kind of like they had to help just lie there. Well, like I got in by like holding yeah. the, the handle, the yeah. handle, and kind of like just. Uh, but oh. about four weeks in, the cast actually broke. So I said to the, I rang the club, and bear in mind, I'd just been at home all this time, like, everyone else is going to school, going to training, I'm literally just in the house, going, my, my mind is going mental. <laughs> so the, the, the cast had kind of broke, and in order for it, to, I had to get it taken off, and so they said, right, get yourself into Wally range, that's where I got it put on, We're going, we'll put a new cast on, so they had to take this one off. And bear in mind, for four weeks I hadn't showered, and it's May. And the scorching weather. <laughs> so I rang the club and they were like, right, we'll send a taxi for you. But because I kind of thought that the club, they'd organised the taxi, I thought they'd kind of explain to the driver the situation. Like, you're going to be picking a young lad up. He's in a cast, but <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> I remember I opened the back door and I just fell into the back <laughs> <laughs> so I'm now like shuffling along in the back seat and because I'm quite tall like I kind of have to squish my head in at one end <laughs> but the taxi driver wasn't aware of what was going on he was like look in the back he's like looking around like what are you doing mate <laughs> and I had to kind of be like oh, I've got a cast on <laughs> you did actually rip it off in the end yourself didn't you with when your hands got, yeah when the day came that they said you're they said, after six weeks, you're going to get this cast off. I got a call from the doctor at about 
five and a half weeks saying I'm not going to be in. I'm not going to be in at the the date where your cast is coming off. I'll have to put it back a week. And I was like, look, I'm not wearing that cast one more day or one more minute past six days. And I literally stood and I tore it off from my hands to the point where like, you know, all my nail, like my nails, all all my knuckles were all like literally bleeding. I was like, I can't, I can't wow. take that anymore. But so that, yeah, that was, was his first few months. Here, that was my that? first few months that in Manchester. Brilliant. That was brilliant. Were you worried about how that would impact your football? No, probably not. No, I mean, I think everyone reassured me that probably from a mum and dad, but I just had a bit of an ache in lower back, and they kind of said like, once everything's done, you'll be you'll be fine. It but happens when you grow really fast, doesn't it? Doesn't I think it? so. And after that, there was actually was one or two other players. The guy I live with, Luke Steele, actually, he he ended up with a stress fracture many years later, but. They put him in a corset and he's like walking about in the digs, like showing me this corset that he's got. Was there any of the clubs in after you at that time? Just United or? So when I was, because it started going to Man United from 10 years old, my dad, I think every club in England had basically approached my parents. I mean, it got to the point where they had to get another phone line in. We ended up with two phone lines in the house. We didn't have Sky or anything, but we had a phone line, two phone lines. The phone was going that much with um, scouts trying to ring and ask. And being a United fan, I was at United. And my dad had this real thing about loyalty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the place where you want to go and play. Yeah. That's the place you want to be. So I never went on one trial anywhere else in all those years. And all my all the, my mates or the lads, they were going trials at all different clubs. And they were saying, come try it out. You might yeah, like yeah. this one. But I just knew, like, you know, I was, if I was going to go anywhere in England, it was going to be Man United. United. And it, if Man United didn't want me then I'd consider them options. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we played it as a family and kind of what I wanted, really. So at, at what point did it become a professional situation? You signed your first contract and everything. It was quite a a really competitive environment to come into. Yeah. But what an experience. Like being a part of Manchester United's academy was like the dream, really, and, and being one of those players to have that chance. Who was in your year then? Darren Gibson, Fraser Campbell. Did you know Gibbo from Ireland? It's interesting, actually, because Darren and I... Gibbo being from London, Derry, me from Belfast, we'd kind of played in the same Northern Ireland youth team. But the way Northern Ireland, I'm not saying there was a divide, but there was a kind of, like, it was a Belfast, and, the, yeah, and we were on the same bus, and we never spoke. We ended up playing the same matches, maybe, like, a couple of tournaments, but it wasn't until we both signed for United then that we kind of became close. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think who else. Ryan Shawcross, mm-hmm. David Gray, and then our youth team, had kind of, Kieran Lee went on, and Danny Rose going to have good careers in football. Our youth team was kind of merged with the, t- the year above. For some reason, at under 15 level, the year above, which was Danny Simpson's year, they kind of got rid of everyone and only kept three players behind. So they kind of joined in with our age groups. You had right, Simo. Yeah. And then we signed Rossi, PK, who were all in the year above, but we all kind of played in that sort of same youth, youth cup team together. Did you ever speak to Sir Alex in the, at this point? Yeah, but being a young, not, not any no, sort of... But no, yes, no, I no, met yeah. him. I actually met him at Carrington. Remember, we used to have the... the the games room at Carrington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played a game of pool against him in there one day and he beat me. And I remember my dad being fuming with me after. Because <laughs> it was a black ball fight and I left the black ball right over the pocket. And my what, dad, just the two of you? Me and Ferg. Yeah. Well, like my, my dad was in the room, but... All right. And your dad had got you because they're leaving the black. Yeah, because he's like, I, I had the chance to finish it and I didn't. That was, a, that was a test. Tyler, you? I think it was about, oh, it must have been about 15, 14. Is that the first time you met him? No, no I'd met him a few times before that. But probably, I think the first time I met him was 10, 
when when he came to the Castlefield Hotel when all the trials used mm -hmm. to come over, he used to come down and like just introduce himself and keep an eye on all the trialists, which was like know, quite visionary when I think about it now. Because yeah. when I think about myself, for example, he knew of me as a ten year old, and I lived in a different country and I wasn't even part of the academy. So for him to take the time to be able to to foresee that you know, these lads could play my first team one day is crazy. Mm. Throughout your career, what was your relationship with him like? A few of the other boys used to say, "Oh, he's your dad." <laughs> a few of the foreign boys, Golden like a nanny. Yeah, but I never ever, I never felt like that ever. I never Did you felt like, like that was Fletch. Fletch, Fletch was the number one. He was the number one son, of course. That's what happens. So you look after your own, don't you? But yeah, I think he always had a. I always felt like he had a soft spot for local lads or 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 Scottish and Irish players for some. Mm -hmm. Like he just liked that sort of sort of homegrown aspect. I know we were brought in at, at a at a later stage, probably later in the academy, but he always tried to, to push us through without a doubt. And yeah, I suppose we had a great relationship with him yeah. from the whole time at the club, really. You talk about Fergie being an influence on your career. What yeah. about David Bushell and the U team coaches? Amazing. Like I was thinking about this earlier when I was like, getting the coffees and I was just thinking about yeah. the education that you had, we had at Man United is the best in the country. And the nothing, football education. Everything. Yeah. So you had like Bushel, who was basically, Dave was running everything, your mm -hmm. day. That guy, like, I used to think, how does he get the time to do everything? He was a workaholic, but he just loved his job. And they were all like that. Yeah. When I could look back at like Paul, people like Paul McGuinness and even Brian McClure at the reserve, when I went up into reserves at that level, like, he did everything for Man United. And Man United was, I think it was because of them people. And obviously, Sir Alex had put all these people in place and they were carrying out his vision, really, of what, yeah. what the club should be. But you've been to other clubs, obviously, since United. Do you see anything like that at no, any other club? No. And it's funny because throughout the years, like, well, we, we went to the Euros with uh, Northern Ireland, and I think mm. there was... Uh, I think there was eight. I don't know why I hit that's in my head. There was eight players in, in the Northern Ireland squad that had been in my United. Been through the academy system. Wow. <clears throat> Which was like myself, Corey, Craig Cathcart, Paddy McNair, Ollie Norwood, uh, Luke McCulloch. Did you say Corey? Yeah. Roy. Well, I couldn't say he's came through the academy, but yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah, one, he was one of the band. But like, been, yeah, but he'd been through the club. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Sir Alex, on the first before the first game, he was he was at our first game. He came to watch. He sent me a, a lovely text before. He was with his good mate James Nesbitt, mm -hmm. obviously big Northern yeah. fan, and they think they had a few drinks, so they were all in good spirits. And he did mention that about to you, didn't he, on the phone? Something about how many? Yeah, he did. He was like, that's unbelievable, isn't it? How proud must that make oh, him? Though? Yeah. But the education that we got there was mm. like, you, you couldn't you couldn't better it. We were we were really lucky. What was it like taking those steps from academy football to first team football and competing? I suppose not only with the opposition that would have been more experienced, maybe bigger, stronger, but also then competing for a place in the team with the likes of Rio and Vidic. My kind of route, I suppose, into first team football went really really smooth, and I know that doesn't happen for lots of players. I always feel like like I felt like my low moves went really well. Mm -hmm. um, my spells like. Man United kind of, I'm not saying fast track me, but they moved me from each stage really quickly each time. And maybe that was because I was kind of doing all right. I don't know. Or it just, just seemed like every, everything, everything kind of flowed. Like I had my, from the reserves, youth team straight into the reserves, like no more than a year in each. Then it was Antwerp. I think I spent six months in Antwerp. And by that stage, then I'd made international appearances. So. From there, after six months in Antwerp, Sunderland loan spell, came back, another Sunderland. Did you ever think going on the, those loan spells, your time would have been limited at United thinking? Nah, not at all. 
It was all. It was always with a view to, yeah, to come yeah. back to play in the first team. Is that what the manager said to you? Or did you think, why is he sending me out to Sunderland? No, because I was like... You never had that conversation to say, or nah. for him to say, Johnny, you're going out there to get experience. No, nah. it was kind of like, when I was in Antwerp, <laughs> it was me, Darren Gibson, Danny Simpson, Fraser Campbell. And we were four young lads, like in Antwerp, like... What was, that, what was that like there? It was an unbelievable experience. Now when I look back, it was so good, like, like just playing. First and we're living in a different country and you're growing up. But he gave us all, he gave us all four of his tickets because there was a winter break in Belgium at that time. So we were all coming back and he gave us all our playing tickets and mine and Simo's were the only ones that had a single ticket. Darren and Fraser had uh, return tickets. So we were like, oh, really? that's how we found out. It wasn't like there was a conversation where they were saying, you're not going to come back here. Once we saw the single ticket, we were kind of like, where's the, where's the return? And they were like, I think they kind of put it, Joycey kind of, Warren Joyce, who's the manager over there, had kind of said that like, you need to move on to the next level, like you're ready to go and play. And it was in, within a week or two, I was then getting a call from Sunderland to go and play for Sunderland. And who's the manager and Sunderland? Keane was the Sunderland. Keane around, okay. I'd been a Sunderland manager for a couple of months at that stage. He gave you a lift up the road, didn't he? It was great, actually, because... He was my hero, and I actually felt like I could relate to him, probably because I'd, maybe I'd studied him in a, in a weird way, but I could relate to him more than the other players, and more senior players at Sunderland in a way. Just the standards and the mindset yeah. and and training and how to train and not wanting to lose. Did you find that difficult, going from United with that mentality and then going on loan to Sunderland? And Was the mentality different, like you just said there? About- yeah. Even at that young age, I can remember being a bit like, come on, like... Yeah. And maybe I was naive, naive of me. Mm-hmm. I do I do think that too. I was a bit like, well, I, everything I don't, I'd known was just... To win. You were used to winning, so... But yeah, whenever um, whenever I found out something were in, were, were in for me, they kind of asked, this is the story that you were mentioned earlier. They said, would I come up and watch the game? So Roy had asked, I think they were playing Preston in the league, and I wasn't... It was before the window had opened, it was like... Because bear in mind, I'm on a, a winter break from Antwerp, so mm-hmm. it was just in between the Christmas period and the New Year. And they said, "Come up and watch. We're playing Preston this weekend. We'll sign you the following week." So I'm driving up the. I'm not long past my test, and then like a couple of like I've been driving in in, in Belgium for a, quite a bit as well. So kind of getting used to driving. But at the time, it was actually I, before when I was about eighteen, nineteen. I did have an agent who was a guy called Francis Martin. I'm not sure if you know him, maybe. No. And he kind of worked with the, the boss's son involved in elite yeah. sports. But that kind of relationship fell away. But at that time, he'd given me a car. When I passed my test, he gave me a, a Mini Cooper. So I was thinking, oh, this is great. But it's not a car I ever would have bought because I'm quite tall. Yeah. I wouldn't want to ever sit in a Mini Cooper. <laughs> that that yeah. So I'm, dri- <laughs> I'm driving this car up to Sunderland. And um, I got the, must have been about halfway there. And... There's a bit of a traffic jam on the motorway. I'm going up to, to watch this game, Preston match. Manchester to Sunderland's about three hour drive. Yeah, it's about a three hour drive. Yeah, sure. so about two hours into the journey, I could feel like or the, the traffic started slowing down. And as I'm slowing down, I could feel the steering wheel starting to lock. I didn't know what, what was going on. And I just about managed to get, get the car into the services and I put it over. I was like, I can't drive that. So I ended up getting a taxi the rest of the way. Like it cost me about 90 quid in a taxi, which I was absolutely fuming about. <laughs> but I thought, I, can't, I have to be there for Roy Keat. Got there for the game anyway. And Neil Bailey, he'd just taken Neil Bailey on yeah. as a first-team coach. Yeah. So Neil offered to give me a lift back down. He drove me back down to Manchester, and a couple of days later I signed, and Roy calls. 
I know you're down in Manchester seeing your family. Uh, you're in training tomorrow, whatever. So I was like, Sunderland? You're had, in training for Sunderland? Uh, yeah, but yeah. I was in Manchester. I was down and mm-hmm. I had to go back up to Sunderland to, <clears throat> to train. I was like, look, right, I kind, of, I kind of broke down last week. I still haven't got my car back from that trip. That I, so you still the services? The minute? Yeah, at that time. So I had no car. So he was like, oh, well, I'm in Hale. I was living in Sale at the time with my mum and dad. He's like, I'll come pick you up. I was like, what? He's like, my hero, he's going to drive me. So Roy ended up come picking me up and, and drove me up to Sunderland that night. But, you know, whenever you're leaving the house, like, <laughs> my mum had just got me back after not having me for four months in, in Antwerp. And she's there, like, waving me at the door, like, <laughs> and you just want to be like, mum, she's like, come give me a kiss, son. And, like, <laughs> Roy <laughs> sat in the car looking in, I'm thinking, right, this is Roy Keane. I'm not kissing my mum in front of Roy Keane. <laughs> But uh, Roy drove me up, which was brilliant, and I got to know him a little bit, and mm-hmm. it kind of probably relaxed me going into play for him, I suppose. But yeah, Sunderland was a I suppose a bit of a whirlwind that first season because we went on a run and ended up we won the league from being in twelfth place at Christmas to winning it on the last day. I really hope the title of this podcast is "I'll Not Kiss My Mum in Front of Roy Keane." <laughs> <laughs> Such a good quote. Did you get a medal? Yeah. That meant. The match was actually decided on the last day. It was Steve Bruce's Birmingham lost to Preston and we were playing Luton away and we beat them yeah. 5-0 and kind of overtook them right on the last day. So there was no trophy, kind of, because the trophy didn't know. I think it was like, Premier League. They used to put it in a, two, it, didn't they? Yeah. You'd have two or they'd put it not in a helicopter, helicopter. Yeah. but not in the championship. And so we didn't really ever, ever really celebrate, never lifted a trophy. What was, what was yeah. Keane like as a manager to work under? I loved him because, like I said before, I could I could relate to him and his mm-hmm. mentality. I ended up going back again next year when they're in the Premier League for for another loan spell, and obviously I could see the difference in the fact that when you're not winning as much every week and it's much tougher, mm-hmm. that uh, you know his demands are even higher, and that's just the way he is. But like I say, I I loved it. Yeah, like it, it was one of my best experiences. And at one point, they wanted to sign me on a on a permanent deal, and I was quite up for going. And at this stage, I hadn't played in, in Man United's first team, but Gary Neville and the manager had kind of made it clear to me. They were like, you're you're not going anywhere. So that was that one put to bed. Was it nice having like Gary Neville playing that sort of role as a senior first team player at Manchester United or was that a bit weird? It was great because Gaz, you could approach him about that stuff and Gaz would be very supportive of the young lads in terms of he would, go, he would just go and knock the manager's door and be like, right, what's going on with him? I think he kind of had that relationship. Yeah. Or he felt like it was his responsibility to be able to go and do that for you. So you always felt like you could sort of talk to him. And I actually met I actually met Roy Keane in, in Hale Village. And he was with his wife. We were in the same bank. And as he's coming out, he, see, he just casually said to me, oh, we, we've put a bit in for you today, by the way. And I'm back at United. So me being a bit naive, I've gone into Sir Alex's, I thought, I, I want to go and play for Sunderland. Like, I've just had two long spells. Like I'm playing Premier League football. I don't want to come back. And not play for play reserve. So I went and said to the boss, I was like, I know Sunderland have put a bit in for me. And he's gone. <laughs> How do you know that? Because you're not meant to know, are you? No. I found out in the bank, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to stitch Roy Keane up. So I was like, uh, I just wanted to turn around and walk out. <laughs> so I was like, well, I just, I, I kind of know. And he was like, he started getting a bit angry about it. He was like, questioning me on it well how do you know like really getting into me and I was just like right just crumbling <laughs> oh, get me out of this room <laughs> and uh, it was just yeah like I said it was made clear to me like you're not going to be going anywhere 
you got to stay and play. Okay, so I'm interrupting because this, as it turns out, is quite a long one. So we're going to pause here and in a couple of days we'll release the second part. Here's a little teaser of what you can expect. Uh, a league debut for Man United was against Did you know Chelsea. much about it coming up? I think it was Rooney. Was it? As he said to me a couple of days before, he's like, you're playing at the weekend. He's like, be ready. So keep your eyes on the Man United social feed to have a look at the official app and you'll get the notification as soon as the episode drops. See you next time.